Welcome to Clarified Butter, the podcast about meals, memories, and milk fats. I'm your host, Amy Allen. All ants make the best something. My Aunt Nancy makes the best deviled eggs. Every Thanksgiving, she has to make at least two plates full. You know, those little glass plates with the scoops that hold each egg? And every year, they go so fast. We all put at least three on our first plate, knowing that we can't count on any being left when we go back for seconds. I've asked her for her recipe before, and there was no secret ingredient, just mustard, mayonnaise, some pickle juice. But I've never met another deviled egg that could compete with my Aunt Nancy's. Our guest today is Irene Godinez. She's a Durham native who currently works with Lead NC. Her aunt makes the best tamales, and she has all of Raleigh to back her up on that. Irene knows what a gift food can be to a community and within a family. So Sundays are bagel Sundays. Oh, really? So I let Johnny sleep in because he usually takes care of Emmy uh, during the weeks. So I usually grab Emmy, get her ready for the day I nurse her, and then we go grab bagels <laughs> and coffee and we bring them back. So today it was really fun because I had picked up some bagels. I put the bag in her car seat so that when he opened the door, he could see the baby with the bag of bagels. <laughs> he was like, that's the yummiest way to wake up. So, <laughs> yeah, so bagel Sunday. That's yeah. really nice. Yeah. Um, so he he's in charge of child care throughout yeah, the week? Yeah. Yeah. And you're working with um, what the United Way now? No, no. so I resigned my position, okay. um, and I was really fortunate because I resigned it without a backup plan because um, <laughs> it was one of those situations. And um, but I found my dream job, or it found me, uh-huh. and so I'll be starting a new job tomorrow. Actually, wow! Congratulations! Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, with Lead NC, so uh-huh. I'll be working on creating a leadership pipeline for mm-hmm. North Carolina. Uh, so we're looking for people who want to run for office, mm-hmm. um, and I want to do my part to make sure it's reflective of the North Carolina that I know. So. Yeah, diverse. Yeah, yeah. So that starts tomorrow. That's really great. Yeah. That's yeah. really awesome. And you've worked in nonprofits for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Over yeah. Uh, a dozen years at this <laughs> point. Um, and started with immigration because uh, of my family history. Mm-hmm. And then um, I worked at Planned Parenthood, which mm-hmm. was extremely gratifying. Mm-hmm. And then United Way and yeah. several others in between. And where so. is your family from? My family is from Michoacan, uh, mm-hmm. from Mexico. Oh. Um, and so my parents met in the United States um, on a farm, actually. Um, they were migrant farm workers. Um, and so we were very fortunate that after uh, Amnesty in 86, we got to travel every three years or so to Mexico. Um, and so I grew up um, on both sides of the border. Yeah. So, yeah. What uh, what sorts of food do you look forward to when you go to visit Mexico? Oh, my God, the snacks. So, <laughs> um, so when I was a kid, um, I am... North Carolinian born and bred so I grew up here in Durham actually Um, and when I was growing up there were no 
Latino stores, no Mexican restaurants. I mean, there was El Rodeo in Brightleaf Square. That was the only one. Um, but it wasn't authentic Mexican food. Um, and so I really looked forward to the summers because we would go to Mexico and they sold like um, fruits with hot sauce and lemon and chili pepper um, or salsa. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a snack that my family made. It was called, it's to us, it's called pico de gallo, uh-huh. but it's not what most people would know as pico de gallo. It's um, cucumbers that are peeled and then sliced, and then you squirt lemon um, and then chili mm-hmm. on it, uh, Valentina's hot sauce, and then you just eat it as a snack. Mm-hmm. And my aunts and cousins would always like sit around, make a big uh, bowl of it, and just snack on it. That so. sounds so refreshing. So refreshing, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Um, and then there were um, these popsicles that were in the shape of a mango, uh-huh. um, and they were uh, covered in chili. But then once you ate through the chili, it was sweet. Uh-huh. Um, so I. I loved all of the all of the snacks. Yeah, that's a lot of. I'm not super familiar with like the really spicy and then like fruity sweet. Yeah, yeah. Together, um, but uh, yeah. Did um, what did your parents cook a lot? Yeah. So um, again, when I was growing up, a lot of the ingredients weren't available, mm-hmm. right? So I remember. My mom would make homemade tortillas, but they were made out of flour because you couldn't find regular masa in the stores at that point. Um, And so she would make these beautiful, puffy tortillas that she would heat up on the directly onto um, the burner on the stove so that they could get a little charred. Uh-huh. And then um, she would give it to us with a glass of milk. So that's comfort to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and she made, I grew up in a, a, a pretty impoverished um, household. And so a lot of the food that she made, we never ate out. Uh, and so a lot of the foods that she made were things like stews, things that could last a longer mm-hmm. uh, period of time. Um, so to this day, I kind of feel a little reticent and reluctant to eat stews because I grew <laughs> up eating it, yeah. like beef stew and stuff like that, chicken mm-hmm. soup. Um she made a lot of rice, and she's, mm-hmm. like, the queen of rice. She gets really ingenious <laughs> with rice, like, gizzards in oh, yeah. our rice and, mm-hmm. um, you know, peas and and carrots and things like that <laughs> on the rice. So, yeah. yeah. I know what you mean about stew. My, um, my mom had both of her knees replaced my mm-hmm. senior year of high school, and so um, it was just the two of us. My brother had gone off to college, and so it was my job to – I mean, she was mobile and stuff, yeah. but – uh, I was old enough at that point to really help. Yeah. And our neighbors all brought frozen, freezable foods. Yeah. It was just for so much of that year, there's so much Brunswick stew yeah. in our freezer and a lot of peppers and hummus and chicken salad, just things that I could heat up or didn't require cooking at yeah. all. And now those things are still delicious, but it feels like Oh, this, I ate so much of this for yeah. a period of time. Yeah, exactly. I remember, you know, like walking home. I love school lunches um, <laughs> and because we were on free and reduced lunch. And I remember my favorite was Salisbury steak. Oh, that was my and favorite too. Really? The gravy. Yes, the gravy <laughs> over the rice. Yeah. Like, it was so good. And um, and I remember our cross guard would always say, oh, are you going to go home and eat um, mashed potatoes and gravy? 
gravy and pork chops. And I was always thinking, I wish, like, I'm going to have freaking stew, but I wish I had mashed potatoes and gravy and pork chops. So, yeah. Yeah. I loved I loved the uh, Salisbury steak because I love the gravy. I would yeah. just try to save as much gravy so yeah. I could just have it yeah, with the rice or mashed potatoes at the end. And I also, my, my school lunches, they had these... Um, little containers that had peanut butter and jelly swirled together oh. for if you if you didn't like anything else you could always get two pieces of white bread and like a little tub of the oh, really? peanut butter and jelly swirl and I would get it and just eat it with a spoon <laughs> yeah so with our Salisbury steak they also gave us a roll oh, yeah. and so I would like sop up the gravy <laughs> with the roll and it I mean it was something that I looked forward to yeah. I'd look at the menu when, when we had Salisbury yeah. steak yeah um yeah, you mentioned that you grew up in Durham, and like so much has changed. Yeah, uh, in the Triangle. How, what do you notice are the big ways that like the food landscape in the Triangle has changed? Yeah, so I remember the very first person who sold Latino products, mm -hmm. um, and so his name is Don Marcelo, mm -hmm. and he would. He had a white van, and he would go down to Texas to pick wow. up um, Mexican products, so like leaves to make tamales and masa and cheese and chorizos and things like that. He would drive back up to North Carolina, and then he sold it door to door. It was all word of mouth, so um, because... At that point, all of us kind of knew each other. All of us Latinos kind mm -hmm. of knew each other. We knew what neighborhoods we all lived in. Mm -hmm. And so he would go down, and my my parents have always been uh, very entrepreneurial in spirit. And so they knew um, a lot of the people because when I was growing up, my dad um, had a blockbuster type business out of our house uh -huh. and so he had built shelves and he had ordered movies and then rented it to um, Latinos who were moving into the area so when Don Marcelo was selling his stuff we knew where everyone lived and so he would go and sell everything door to door and um, and that's when we started having more of the traditional foods uh, mm -hmm. that my mom would make for us um, at home. That's when we would have mole, which mm -hmm. is a special treat mm -hmm. for special occasions. Um, and uh, and now when I look at Durham, mm -hmm. like there's a Latino tienda, Mexican tienda at every corner. There's superstores, like Latino yeah. superstores with tortilla factories <laughs> inside. And Don Marcelo has very successful businesses now. He has a restaurant that he just opened in front of Duke University. Mm -hmm. He has a tortilla factory. He has mm -hmm. several little um, tiendas. And mm -hmm. so it's, um, I think Durham is a perfect example of how Latinos have come into North Carolina and we've um, become part of the fabric of this mm -hmm. community and have brought with us our delicious food and um, and it's another way to extend culture mm -hmm. and I think it's an easy and approachable way for non-Latinos to experience um, you know part of our native countries um, our parents native countries through yeah. food. Yeah. I think absolutely one of the best ways to start learning about so an experience beyond your own is to eat someone else's food yeah and sort of 
because it's always it makes you feel sort of welcome and comforted and you can understand like oh this is delicious and you think that this is delicious and we already have something in common yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. and um and there's so many things that like when I think about so I feel bicultural. I am bicultural. I mm-hmm. grew up here in the South. I am from North Carolina, but I'm also Mexican. Mm-hmm. And when I think about um, both of these cultures, um, I think of some of the common things. Mm-hmm. So pork, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like how important it is as a North yeah. Carolinian. It's huge. You know, <laughs> like it's part of our DNA. Um, and it's the same thing as a uh, Mexican family. Like we mm-hmm. have um, a lot of dishes, tamales, a lot of our dishes mm-hmm. are based on this delicious ingredient, pork. <laughs> yeah. And the same thing with corn. Like mm-hmm. I grew up loving grits um, mm-hmm. and grits are made with hominy and corn, um, which is native to Mexico. So yeah. um, I remember going to a conference once where they said, bring an item that represents who you are. Mm-hmm. And I brought a thing of uh, instant grits. Like, <laughs> Girls raised in the South, but also <laughs> grits, the yummy, comforting food. And it's mm-hmm. made from an ingredient that is native to Mexico. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really fun for me to see. Yeah, I remember uh, the only time I've ever been out of the country was I studied abroad in Greece, uh-huh. and I got a, a gyro, and they, they had a spit where they were shaving pork yeah. to put in, and uh, as soon as I, went, I bit into it, I said, that's barbecue. That's yeah. just that I love it because it's totally different. Like, there's tzatziki sauce and all of the different things that are part of that sandwich were new, but there's something in the middle that's like, that just tastes like home. (laughs) Yeah, and to me, when I think of um, Greek food, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of, um, like, the spigs in Mexico that have the al pastor Mm -hmm. or um, other meats that are shaved Mm -hmm. to make tacos, and... I read something that said that that's part of the Lebanese influence in Mexico because we oh, really? re- we had a lot of um, Lebanese folks that migrated to Mexico, um, you know, several centuries ago. And so it's really interesting to see that that's mm-hmm. something that they carried with them. So now, like, <laughs> yeah. when you go to a taco joint, mm-hmm. the way that they shave it off would be exactly like they would <laughs> at a, you know, Greek place or Mediterranean place. Yeah. Um, it's so neat to see how those things that you yeah. don't even realize, how they influenced each yeah, other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How do you think food as a part of, like, working with these nonprofits and community organizing, What? how does food become a part of all of that? Um, so I'm on the board of the ACLU of North Carolina, mm-hmm. and I remember um, when one of um, my fellow board members, Manju, um, joined, and her family owns Vimala's uh, oh, yeah. uh, over in Chapel Hill. And um, and one of the things that we noticed was that part of the culture of the organization at that point, um, it was so um, rigid. Like, we were in and out. We were, like, on the clock, and it wasn't as welcoming as it would be at a... Latino nonprofit Mm -hmm. in my experience and the reason was because there wasn't food you know we would if you went to a Latino nonprofit organization 
um, everything was centered around food. You can't have a training for community members and not have food. And, like, hummus and pita won't do. Like, you need, like, real good filling food. Um, So that's something that we brought as part of our cultures into Mm -hmm. the ACLU, which is a phenomenal organization. (laughs) And now it's even better because our board meetings involve food. Um, And uh, so, yeah, like when I was organizing on immigration, we would um, pay some of the lay health advisors um, at El Pueblo, for instance, when I worked there, and they would you know, make the food. And um, I got a chance to explore other Latin American cuisines when I was there because um, one of the uh, promotoras de salud, the health advisors, was uh, is Peruvian, and she would make ceviche. Mm-hmm. But the Peruvian ceviche that she made was totally different than what I was used to. And this was what we would eat, like, before a community meeting. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, delicious tilapia that she would make, and then it would have, like these big grains that were kind of like, it looked like hominy, but it was um, like a chip as well. I don't know. And then it would have like yuca and marinated onions and things like that. And then there would be Colombian women that would make arepas and then like stuff it with delicious like ham and cheese and things (laughs) like that. Um, So it was really, um, I think... It's a way of bringing community together. It's a way of making an environment accessible Mm -hmm. and welcoming um, and where you could feel at home, especially if you're going to talk about issues that make you feel vulnerable, Mm -hmm. like immigration and family separations and things like that. You want to make sure that you create an environment where people feel like they can open up and like you care and the way that you show that you care in many of our cultures is through food. So. Absolutely. I, I know my sister-in-law lives in Charlotte, and yeah. she's a part of the Refugee Resettlement mm-hmm. Committee there, and they just started these welcome home dinners where refugee families will serve uh, to a bunch of the donors. They, like, host mm-hmm. a big dinner and invite other refugee families and all sit down and share a meal together, and they t- learn about each other's food, but it also is able to start an actual conversation yeah between people and I do think that having a shared meal it makes that so much easier yeah to start uh getting to know people and so it's not just like we're donating money or we're yeah just talking about issues it's like no we're really getting to know each other we're sharing something yeah and it's also like a point of um pride and self-esteem so Mm -hmm. for example with refugees where you've lost everything your home your language everything but to have the opportunity to make something familiar and Mm -hmm. to share that I think it helps build Mm self-esteem or like in my family, um, my mom is one of 16 kids. Wow. Um, and so she didn't get a lot of individualized attention because she was helping to raise her siblings. And the same could be said for the rest of her siblings, right? And um, so she didn't have a lot of self-esteem, but the more that she cooked and the more that people raved about her cooking, Mm -hmm. the more that I could see her self-esteem growing and the same as... I say the same about my aunts and mm-hmm. recent last weekend my aunt <laughs> won Raleigh's tamale festival oh, wow. like That's she awesome. has the best tamale in Raleigh <laughs> yeah. and um and she's still in shock about it because <laughs> 
you know, she didn't have the biggest self-esteem, but now there's this validation because, you know, some judges in Raleigh <laughs> tasted her and like over a dozen other women's tamales and they thought hers were the best. They are the best. Um, so I feel like food can also provide opportunities for folks like my family mm -hmm. to build self-esteem, to realize that they have a lot more to contribute. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you like to cook? I do. Yeah. Um, I feel really crappy because I don't um, cook any of the traditional Mexican foods because my mom's here in Durham. Right. So if I want some good chilaquiles, which is my favorite food, I just come home. Right. Um, and so, and I also live near an area of Raleigh where there's a lot of like taco joints and things mm -hmm. that are really good. So I cook a lot of um, random stuff. Mm -hmm. I um, a Pinterest person, so <laughs> I like to get inspirations from there. I don't yeah. follow recipes. Like uh -huh. I look at a recipe, I look at the ingredients, and I'm, and then I think of flavors that I like. I'm a texture yeah. type of person, so I love crunchiness. I love mm -hmm. color. I love mm -hmm. um, to eat with my eyes as well. <laughs> so I like to make beautiful food, mm -hmm. and when it works out, it's wonderful. <laughs> and it, when it doesn't, like. It's the worst thing that can happen. Like you want something to work out and it doesn't yeah. taste quite how you want it to. So I have yeah. definitely been there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, my, my dad makes this big Christmas dinner every year and the plating is like everything. He yeah. has to make sure that there's some raspberries, so there's color and something to like balance the mashed potatoes and some herbs and yeah. some greenery. It's like everything has to because yeah it's a presentation as well right exactly which mm -hmm. is why i know i've probably been talking so much about tamales but it's the perfect <laughs> food because it's like a little gift it's wrapped you open it mm -hmm. you smell it it has different colors because there's also i don't think that a lot of people are familiar with the sweet tamales no. um so those are some of my favorites mm -hmm. because it's like the pink ones are flavored with Kool-Aid. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and then it has, like, raisins, and it mm -hmm. has, like, chunks of pineapple, mm -hmm. and it has nuts. And you drink it, you drink atole with it, which is made out of cornstarch, and it takes flavoring. Like, you can add chocolate or mm -hmm. vanilla, different things, and mm -hmm. that's, like, a comforting meal. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like, it's one of... Yeah. I've never had sweet tamales. Oh, it's to... so good. And especially if you char it a little bit mm -hmm. with the leaf on it still, with the husk on it, mm -hmm. and then you unwrap it, and it has a little bit of that, like, mm -hmm. caramel. Just so yeah. warm and, yeah. Yeah, like, exactly. a good s'more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and your daughter is now almost one years old? Yeah, she That's is. So She'll be one next week. <laughs> um, how has uh, being a mom sort of changed like mealtime and food in your home? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> so first of all, I nurse her. So uh -huh. that whole aspect of nutrition mm -hmm. and, you know, being mindful of what I eat and um, has changed a yeah. lot. Um, and it's so gratifying to me to be able to provide nourishment for my child and to mm -hmm. see that every little role is something that we worked on together. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, but I was really excited when she turned six months because we started to give her 
food mm-hmm. at that point, and she loves everything. <laughs> like she, I've given her curry flavored things, mm-hmm. and she loves it. She's eaten spicy things, mm-hmm. and she likes it. Her mm-hmm. favorite thing though are um, raspberries. Mm-hmm. Like she'll tear up a whole <laughs> thing of raspberries, and I'm so glad that Driscoll's is no longer that we're no longer boycotting them <laughs> because that's the only like raspberry company. And she'll sit and she could eat a whole container if we mm-hmm. let her. Um, but it's one of our favorite, it's our favorite time of the day, Johnny's and I, uh, mm-hmm. sitting down for family dinner mm-hmm. and just like feeding her. Just now on my way here, he mm-hmm. sent me a text of her after she woke up from a nap eating <laughs> at the table. <laughs> like she eats everything uh-huh. and it's, it's so, n- now I understand why my mom shows love through food. Yeah. Because I am doing the same thing with my daughter. Like, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of her first birthday and mm-hmm. what I want to make for her mm-hmm. and um, what kind of menu we want. <laughs> and I'm like, I want her to really enjoy everything. And so um, normally I um, ask my mother-in-law or my cousin-in-law to make the cake. But mm-hmm. this time, like, I want to spend time baking her <laughs> a raspberry cake oh, wow. or a raspberry tart or maybe both. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's so special. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see it. Have you and Johnny thought about, like, what sorts of traditions that she'll have, like, as she's growing up, like, food and celebration? Yeah. So, um so also with her first birthday, one of the things that we do in Mexican culture, which has now been kind of appropriated um, by <laughs> mainstream culture, is um, cake smashing. Uh-huh. But what I've noticed is that here um, people will buy a special cake for the baby or for the kid to, like, smash their head into it. <laughs> and then, like, no one eats that cake. It's just for the photo op, whatever. In my Mexican culture, <laughs> you like smash the kid into the cake, but then you eat that cake. Like, <laughs> right. You don't get a special, <laughs> special cake. whole other cake. Yeah, so mm-hmm. um, so I think that we'll probably do that. Um, <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to it. She's probably going to be so cute. pissed off at us. <laughs> yeah. um, but then um, he's Jewish and mm-hmm. uh, culturally, so uh, we'll do Passover mm-hmm. dinner. Um, his mom's house and um everything in our families both our families revolves around food all of our you know christmas and hanukkah Mm -hmm. is all food based so (laughs) i'm excited for her to uh grow up and to make her requests of what she wants like um my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. And um, a few years ago, I asked my mom to incorporate more of the Mexican culture mm-hmm. uh, into the... Because she was making a lot of the American, U.S. Mm, American turkey. dishes. Yeah. yeah. And um, and I was like, wouldn't it be great if you made, like, mole so uh-huh. that we could dip the turkey in the mole? And so <laughs> yeah. now it's this bicultural meal. Nice. And it's a lot of fun, so I can't wait yeah. to do That sounds delicious. Yeah, it yeah. really is. Like, Thanksgiving <laughs> at our house. And we have two Thanksgivings mm-hmm. because all, a few years ago, my mom got... So food is really important in our family. My mm-hmm. mom got pissed off that I would go to Johnny's mom's Thanksgiving dinner first because she always had her meals done before my mom mm-hmm. and I would tear it up over there and then by the time I got to my mom's Thanksgiving I wasn't eating her food mm-hmm. and she was upset by that so <laughs> then we started doing a tradition of early Thanksgiving so in October we'll have my family's Thanksgiving 
and then on actual Thanksgiving, we'll go to his family's <laughs> Thanksgiving. Um, and that's been the best compromise. Um, and it's been a good experience because we, you know, get to have two amazing Thanksgiving meals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I have, uh, I think, I think one year I had three Thanksgivings in one day. Oh, my God. I think. I've definitely done two many years because my parents are divorced, and so I'll do my mom's side of the family and later my dad's side of the family, and um, we won't just pick one. Yeah. And it's taken a while to figure it out, but I feel like we have, my brother and I, (laughs) like, uh, figured out how to... uh, balance by just like picking the best food at each ah. instead of feeling like we have to eat everything it's like well I know I'm gonna need at least like four deviled eggs later in the day right <laughs> so I'm maybe not gonna eat like as much stuffing at the first meal yeah because like it's gonna be a lot later but it's really I it's a lot it's a lot to handle yeah it really is that's why the two like early mm-hmm. Thanksgiving and regular Thanksgiving has been yeah great for our families (laughs) and no one's feelings get hurt yeah um i don't think that his mom cared as much about like us eating or not eating at Mm -hmm. our house the way that my mom did Mm -hmm. because again she shows her love through food and if you don't eat something it's like rejecting her right (laughs) um and so the biggest offense in my family is not eating someone's food and you know when johnny and i started dating a year into us dating, I the ultimate test was him going to Mexico to meet my family. Mm-hmm. And I told him, you have to eat everything. <laughs> like, I don't care if you don't like it. You won't be accepted by my family if you don't eat everything. And I remember this one day my grandmother had made rice pudding. Mm-hmm. And he hates hot stuff. He hates rice pudding. Mm-hmm. And she served him a big bowl of it. And he, like, sat bless his heart and he like ate the whole thing really fast I think to get it over with (laughs) but my grandmother interpreted that as him really liking it oh no so she was like oh le gusto he liked it let me give him some more and then she like gave him another bowl full of it and he just looked at me like help (laughs) and I was like I'm sorry you gotta eat it That's so sweet. And he did. And the impression that he left on my family was, like, he eats everything. He eats really spicy food. So he's a keeper. Like, he's good to you. Perfect. (laughs) That's so great. Yeah. Um, So I imagine, like, with the baby, this doesn't happen all that often. But if you ever have a night totally to yourself with no one else to worry about, uh, what do you like to eat just on your own? You know, I love a good macaroni and cheese. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pools diners just oh, down yeah. the street from mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we tend to go for southern food. We either have like barbecue and ribs, mac mm-hmm. and cheese, and like good beer, mm-hmm. or we'll go and have like margaritas mm-hmm. and um, really good Mexican food. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, there's uh, nothing like really, really good mac and cheese. Oh, my gosh. And Pool's Diner's mac and cheese. Like, (laughs) I've gone and eaten a whole thing by myself. Like, (laughs) I don't remember the circumstances, but I remember walking in by myself into Pool's Diner, and I was like, 
my goal is to sit and just eat a whole thing. And I don't recommend it like <laughs> all the time or any ever again, but mm-hmm. it was it was delicious at that yeah. moment. Sometimes so. that's just what yeah. you need. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's yours? Um, I think I tend to uh, if I am just making something just for me, it's one of two things. It'll be guacamole mm-hmm. with I know that this is not a part of guacamole. But one of my favorite things in the world is goat cheese. Uh-huh. And I tried I had a burger a while back with avocados and goat cheese on it. It's like these two things yeah. go very well together. Huh. And I started just putting a spoonful of goat cheese in my guacamole with everything else. And it just gets a little creamier and there's like a little cheese. That thing. sounds really good. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> um and so I'll just make um a big thing of guacamole and just eat it all by myself. Yeah. Um, or popcorn. <laughs> oh my God, I was going to say, or popcorn, like sitting down with the, mm-hmm. and I'm not like dainty about it. I just grab like a whole handful of it and shove it in my mouth. It's, yeah. it's delicious. Just like buttery, cheesy. Yeah. Anything I can put on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, my grandparents have avocado orchards. Oh, wow. Um, and, or my mom now has them since they've both passed on. Um, and the last time that I went to Mexico, my grandfather showed me how to make his guacamole. Mm-hmm. And I um, I was asking him, like, so do you add tomatoes to it? He was like, no, no. Who adds tomatoes? That's not that's not right. And I was like, oh, okay. So just onions, lime. Um, mm-hmm. And then he was getting annoyed that I was over-stirring it. He was uh-huh. like, no, like, you want it to be chunky. And- uh-huh. <laughs> it's good to know. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I'm sure mine would be like to someone who likes real, real guacamole. They'd see mine. What is this? <laughs> I'm sure it's delicious. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so, uh, do you uh, finally do you have a uh, favorite toast or blessing uh, that you have heard said or you like to say before meals? Um. So. I was thinking about this, and I thought of a custom in um, a lot of Latin American countries where if you enter a room and people are eating, you say, buen provecho. Like, I hope you enjoy your meal, and, you know, it's almost like well wishes with your meal. And um, and I really wish that we had that here in as part of, like, U.S. American culture, because... I remember going into like the company like kitchen Mm -hmm. and people would be eating and it felt so rude to like walk in and walk out without (laughs) saying provecho or buen provecho. Um, So I feel like that's something that I'm going to bring into wherever I go and just explain to folks like it's just wishing that you enjoy your meal and it's like bon appetit. Yeah. And so I think that that would be what buen provecho. Buen provecho. Yep. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank this you. Was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. Thanks yep. so much. Clarified Butter is produced by Ashley Melzer and me, Amy Allen. To learn more about our guest and about us, visit clarifiedbuttershow.com or keep the conversation going on Twitter and Instagram at ClarifiedB. And by all means, don't forget to hit subscribe. Until next time, eat what you like and say thank you. Thank you.